Welcome to the Tech Report Podcast, where we help businesses survive, thrive, and create value. Well, welcome everybody to the Tech Report, the podcast that is all about helping businesses survive, thrive, and create value, especially in our trying environment today. Well, I'm your host, Brad Stoller. Well, today's business world is changing extremely fast. The pandemic has moved us all into new ways of doing really almost everything. So remote work is not only becoming a benefit for workers, it has also become a necessity for companies to survive. And another area that is just numerous businesses are finding it necessary to streamline their operation in order to survive, but those businesses that are thriving are streamlining in order to meet the high demands that their businesses are facing currently. So the word automation is really becoming a buzzword. So our guest today is a business strategist who understands the remote world and is absolutely tenacious (laughs) when it comes to automation. He works with serial entrepreneurs who are currently in the one to 10 million area and he gets them to double, triple, or even quadruple those top line revenues. So our guest today, I'm really excited to have him aboard, is Michael Greenberg. Michael is the CEO of Call for Content, which is a podcasting agency designed to build his clients through authority marketing, which really happens to be very near and dear to my heart. But Michael is phenomenally successful, and I know as soon as he is done with us, He's, he was getting ready to present the Marketer's Content Playbook Virtual Summit, so he's a busy guy. So this is going to be a great episode, and I think everybody involved in business should really sit down and start taking notes. It's that big of a deal. So Michael, welcome to the Tech Report. Thanks, Brad. It's great to be on. Great. Well, Michael, you have a fascinating story today, and you know, you're wildly successful building up your clients. But we all know that no one just wakes up one morning and everything just falls into place. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up as a CEO for a call for content. Yeah. So my background is in the technical side of operations for startups. My first job after I dropped out of school was COO at a venture-backed startup where I helped lead some of the product design and then really found my passion scaling up the sales and marketing operations. Um, While I was there, the company had been in the South, in Columbia, South Carolina, and in Chattanooga. But when they decided to move back to the San Francisco area, that's when we parted ways. And I ended up meeting a podcast network operating out of Atlanta while I was still living down there, who then became my client. And about nine months after that, they sent me a suitcase filled (laughs) with recording equipment and said, okay, you're our newest studio. And I got to learn a lot about podcasting. We finished up that contract. And I took what I learned there, some of the models I developed that they decided not to move forward with, and those became the beginnings of Call for Content. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. There's a couple of things I got out of that. I, maybe some others caught on as well, but 
when you dropped out of school and became a COO? <laughs> that just sounds funny, but I hear that a lot from entrepreneurial-minded people. I mean, a lot of times they, they don't make it through college because it slows them down. Um, so it's kind of neat. And the other part that I picked up was, is that um, podcasting, you really didn't go after it. It just kind of came after you and you took, ran with it, but you, your company today exists from ideas that they really weren't crazy about when you work for somebody else. And I can relate to that because I'm doing podcasts now today because we share the story, you know, about me. Yeah. Um, the, the place that I worked at before really just wasn't crazy about doing podcasts and uh, they didn't want to do it. And here we are. <laughs> so how about that? So you and I definitely share a philosophy. So people buy, we know this, people buy from people they know and trust. You know, and there is just no better way to build that trust better than being known as the expert in your field. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So Though I'd go one step further and say that if you're the expert in, their, in your field and you're whispering in their ear every day, that that's probably the best place to be. Good point. That, I, that's a great add-on. So, well, tell us just a little bit from your perspective why you think that it is just so important to get that expert status versus just simply spending money on advertising in the traditional way that we, we've always just seemed to do that. Spend money, we know we're gonna get a return, we get inbound calls, and, and there we go. That's our traditional way. Tell us a little bit about what your experience and how to position experts and why you feel it's so important today. Yeah, so we are bombarded at all times by a billion people telling us they're an expert in whatever they're an expert in or companies telling us they're experts in making that thing that they make. And, and they're all the best at it, right? They're all the best. Yeah, which is <laughs> obviously somebody's lying. Yeah, exactly. I don't know who. <laughs> But I do know that if you say you're the best at one really specific thing and you can point back to your story on how you became the best in that thing, then you're on the way. You've got a path. You've got proof. And really, when we talk about authority, we're talking about a mixture of social proof and actual expertise that allows you to back up what you say. Because I'm not gonna name any names, but there's <laughs> plenty of big digital marketers out there who got lucky, made a few million, and then branded themselves as marketing experts who don't know squat about actually doing it. Yeah. I've helped at least one of them do that. Oh, uh, come on, just go ahead, spill, your, spill it, let's who it, no, just kidding, don't, yeah, we don't, don't do no. that here. We don't want any lawsuits. <laughs> But we know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. And so when it comes to authority, I think of it in two fundamental rules, specialization and relativity. And so you have to be hyper-specialized in order to break through the noise of everyone else and actually be able to command authority and say, you are the best at this thing because you've got to get to a small enough group of people that other people are considering that you can actually dominate in that category. So the big fish and little pond principle, if you will. I want to be the whale <laughs> in a lake. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and alongside that is relativity. 
You only need to be considered an authority to the small group of people you actually want as your audience. And I really love this when it's applied to B2B in particular, because you get big numbers when it comes to the deal size. And that one audience member might be worth 100000 or a million dollars to you. Yeah, exactly. I know we've, uh, in fact, uh, there was a gentleman that, uh, that I had on our podcast a few weeks back, Rem Jackson, who he reminds me of. And, uh, and Rem, if you're listening, <laughs> giving you kudos again, because I just admire what you do. Um, but Rem has positioned himself in the podiatry industry as the expert. And he's actually, he does podcast as well. Um, but he's really positions himself extremely well and, and it's well enough that he actually got inducted into the podiatry hall of fame and he's not a podiatrist. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. He's the whale in that, that, in that niche. So I think that might be a good example of what you're talking about. That's a great one. Um, it's really the only people who matter for getting into that hall of fame are the 20 people who vote on that board. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I know you've taken the interview concept, if you will, and you've just absolutely put it on steroids. So tell us a little bit about your process and why you feel the interview concept, like we're doing here today, I guess. It works so well. Why, why does it work so well? I think people are starved for conversation, quite frankly, because they're not getting it on cable TV. A shouting match between four talking heads on a screen is not an informed conversation between two experts. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And that's the real secret. Sounds good. So, well, I know that um, a lot of people listening here today are thinking, hey, that sounds great and all that, but I don't know anything about podcasting or anything like that. Uh, Might be great for you, but, you know, they just... They've never been on a podcast, let alone start one and find people to talk to. So how do you get listeners, how do you get them started in podcasting? Or or maybe a better question is, should they get a podcast started for their business? What, What are your thoughts? So to should, my answer is an absolute yes. To should they get listeners, it's a big question mark. Um. Because the podcast itself, and in particular, the interview podcast, creates a depth and a quantity of content in an amount of time that you cannot, you can't really comprehend until you print it out. Take a 30-minute podcast episode and transcribe it on a tool like Descript or Otter, and then see the 10, 20 pages that you get out. Yeah, I do that as well, and I know what you mean. Yes, all of a sudden we have this huge, it would take forever to transcribe that out by manually. <laughs> There's a lot into it. You're right. And that's, that's why you should make it even if nobody listens. Because you talking with that awesome person you invited on, that is going to be a great connection, a good relationship, and a good foundation for it. But it's going to create amazing content that you can then reshare. Yeah, good point. So, so all you people listening out here right now that have been kind of thinking about and don't know how to do it, um, I, I'll use myself as an example. This has been, my gosh, it's been three months, I guess. Three months ago, I've never done a podcast before. Um, I made it a, 
I pushed myself just to do it. And uh, I, all I can tell you is after this is now our 20th episode and the relationships that, that I've had from our guests, people that our guests know, and I also know that I've created a ton of value for everybody that's come on as a guest of mine. There is nothing bad that has happened with this podcast. And I know that if, if, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So I, I definitely think that uh, that's great advice, Michael. So, uh, so, okay, so we've established that podcasting really is a great way to position yourself or your company as that expert, the whale in, in the lake, if you will. But there's a lot of people said, but yeah, but isn't it expensive? I mean, you got all that equipment and all that time and well, let's it, face it. It is a lot I've of time. I think I've got $100, $200 in equipment and I, it's the same stuff I bought after. No, I, was, I didn't even buy this. I was just given the equipment when I started and I've been using the same stuff for six years now. <laughs> yep. So equipment it might be a few hundred bucks to get started, but pretty low cost overall. Time, I'd say figure about two hours a week if you want to put out a weekly show, if you're not going to edit it really. Right. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And if you do want to edit it a bit and you don't want to spend the money to hire an editor yet, because that's where things can start to get pricier. Use Descript. It's an amazing tool. Our editing team has a love-hate relationship with it because it might take their job someday, but yeah. in the meantime, it makes it a lot easier. And that will give you a good enough sounding episode because good enough gets you 95% of the way with most shows. Good We've advice. seen shows go on to thousands of downloads without anything more than that. And then we just got brought in for growth and monetization instead of editing. Well, good advice. And um, I know one of the questions that I, I'm going to have people ask me or may ask you, so we'll just get it out in the open here. But when we talk about monetizing the podcast, and I think there's a misconception out there of what monetization really means. And, and I know you and I talked before, and there's really two, two ways to look at this. There's, there's a B2B and there's also a business to consumer and they're two different models. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you feel really monetization really means? And let's just kind of focus maybe on the business to business because that's, I think that's pretty much most of the people who are listening. Uh, if you could just share your thoughts on what that means. Yeah. So I think I would define monetization for this discussion for this episode today yep. as producing capital from the podcast asset. And I'm defining it that way because then we can say capital can be money or social capital relationships that come out of the show. Exactly. And so when we look at how a B2C show, how a mass market show might monetize, they're looking at partnerships with e-commerce brands and paid subscriptions and sponsors and maybe live events of some sort. That's their big model. But then when we turn to B2B, suddenly 
getting 10 or 50,000 people listening to a B2B podcast, if you get 500 people listening to a B2B podcast, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Like we compare B2B podcasts to speaking engagements when we look at audience numbers. Good, good point. So, and it's really, um, it's not about trying to be the biggest and best. I mean, we're talking about B2B here now. But yeah. the monetization really comes, as you said, in that social <laughs> capital, if you will, those relationships. And that's the biggest surprise that I found out when I started doing podcast is I think I gave you an example. I thought my computer got hacked. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to raise any money out of this, so I get it. But, but what it did is I just interviewed a gentleman by the name of Bob Henderson and these interactive intelligence, extremely extremely bright guy. I have a cell phone. I sent a text message to probably one of the brightest cybersecurity guys in the world. <laughs> and he, he started laughing. I LOL back to me on the text. And he said, okay, don't worry about it. It's a spoof. Everybody's getting the, those messages. Change your password. Make it 16 you know, characters or more. Do it right away. You know, laughed about it a little bit. And so there you go. So that, you know, that would have cost me a money to find that out. But, you know, until I knew that I was panicking a little bit as most people would, you know, when all of a sudden you get this thing that, uh, Hey, d- d- deposit, you know, I forget what it was five, $900 Bitcoin or something in 24 hours or else. Yeah. That's a little bit scary if you don't understand what's really going on. So yeah. that's one thing. And I can, I, I can't say enough about it. it. It's been wonderful. And I think you know, I agree with you. I think a lot of business owners should at least look into having a show every once in a while. And um, it's, it's been nothing but good things for me. So good. I think we look at B2B in a few different ways. So one would be that thought leadership angle where we'd want to create as much content as we can with the people we want to be associated with. The other, when we look at lead gen, the question I like to ask first is, do you do channel partners? Do you do some sort of partnership resale model or do you sell direct? And then the next question is, what would you do with 50 more of those this year? Warm conversations that you can qualify while having that. Exactly. And I don't think we really necessarily have to quantify that because everybody listening is quantifying it right now in their head. <laughs> yep. I've got yeah. a calculator on the site if you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, well, Michael, I know we've covered in a short amount of time we've been here today, we've covered a lot. And I know some people are really starting to think about how they could use podcasts, or at least I hope they are. But so far be. in our discussions, so what are, what are we missing? What's the one big thing we really haven't talked about yet that they really should consider? I think the secret sauce that we've seen generally breaks down in using the podcast and using the content to accomplish some secondary goal, starting out planning for that goal. So to put it in perspective, we've got a client who we just wrapped up their first season. They're getting started on their second season of their show now. And the first season was all about getting on those allied guests, the people that they already know, like, and trust, 
and who know, like, and trust them to right. talk and have friendly conversations. The second season, we're getting some of the biggest, heaviest hitters in the industry. And during that second season, we're going to be plotting out the book. And that book is going to come directly from the interviews that we did during the first and second season. Yep. Yep. And genius. You don't have to write it. Let them do the content for you. Yep. Perfect. That's, that's awesome. Great advice. So uh, wonderful. Well, Michael, I have a feeling that there's going to be a few people um, that are going to listen to this. They're going to have some questions. Um, So how can they contact you with those questions and, or maybe you've got a company and you've been thinking about doing it, but you need some help. So, Hey, Michael, help me. So how do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Go to callforcontent.com and you've got two options once you're there. Either one, just hit up the chat bot and it will book you right with me. The other option is if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll see a big button on the left that says office hours. And I set aside a few hours every week to talk with people and give them advice. And I record those sessions. They're totally free but I record them so we can take those questions and use it to create our next batch of content. Hmm. How about that? And so that's, it's sort of a, I give you some free advice and you give me some free market research. Gotcha. So you, who knows your content, your question might be uh, the, the big chapter of the next book. <laughs> yeah. How about that? So, well, once again, a special thanks to Michael Greenberg for taking the time out of his extremely busy schedule. Um, to help us all get a better perspective on growing your business with the use of podcasts. So, Michael, thanks again for being with us here today. Brad, it's been fantastic. Fantastic.